Well, hello, listeners. Welcome back to Where's My Flashlight? Oh, with hello. myself, Sophie, and, and my Heather. dear friend Heather. Yeah. As always, here we We're are. both hot messes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> the understatement of the year. Yeah, hot mess does not even begin. Mm-hmm. I, like, I am like a full blown human disaster at this point. <laughs> Like, if there was a scale for, like, a hurricane or maybe, like, you know, a tsunami or, or an earthquake or something, like, yeah. how would you how would you scale yourself? I would, I would be, I mean, it's, it's more like a, a prolonged disaster. You know, I feel like hurricanes and earthquakes are, you know, they happen so fast. And then there's <laughs> just this kind of, like, aftermath that you deal with. Right. But this is more like like an ongoing situation, so I don't know what that would be compared to. Yeah. <sighs> Maybe it's, it's like the 1980 eruption of Mount St. Helens that <laughs> started out with like little earthquakes and then they got bigger and bigger and bigger and then, like, two-thirds of the mountain fell off. <laughs> and then deers and sasquatches were displaced for their home, from their homes. And... Yeah, and 57 people died, and, <laughs> you know, it's like a whole fucking situation that, yeah. you know, is... We can still see the repercussions of it today when they have to dredge the fucking Columbia River shipping channels because of the ash so that's me um a little ashy how are how are you <laughs> um i'm i'm doing all right um you know like experiencing a little bit of a you know a pain backlash because i i wasn't taking my meds very consistently during the holidays um happy holidays everyone by the way happy what is it? Would you say Happy Boxing Day or Merry Boxing? I mean, I, I don't, don't know. I have no idea. I'm not even it's sure boxing what Boxing Day, Day is. I was going to Google it. Yeah, um, from what I understand, it has its origins back in the days of Queen Victoria. So I think it would probably be safe to say that, that um, you know, probably the UK, Canada, and Australia celebrate it. Yeah. Um, Sounds like but, something yeah. they would do. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I don't know what that I means. I don't know what that... Oh neither God. do I. Um, no offense, uh, you know, any listeners that are out there, you know, we love you. Thank you. Full offense. Full offense is given, but hope none is taken. Yes. All right, right. Something, okay. I don't know. I don't know. Um... So, do, we do got you, some stuff. Sorry, do you want ahead. to talk about why you're a mess, or do you want me to talk about why I'm a mess? <laughs> Who goes oh, first? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Mine's going to be a lot more brief, I think. So, I do think... Do you go uh, first? Yeah. Um, you know, mine can be summed up mainly as, you know, I'm, I'm learning more about my illness, my chronic illness, and my body, which is good. So, you know, there's progress being made. And then tomorrow I'm going to see a chiropractor for the first time. 
which I was really scared of because my joints are hypermobile. And so I don't want them, you know, and I've heard a lot of horror stories about chiropractors, like screwing up people's vertebrae, vertebrae, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that like half of them are quacks and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, I had a lot of misconceptions about it. Um, and I guess the place where I'm being, I'm going tomorrow morning, um, actually does massage and my insurance will pay for it and mm. like a lot of other neat stuff. And so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'll give it a shot. Let's see. And you know, I'll just warn them in advance. Like, Hey, you know, this is most likely what I have. And so be gentle mm-hmm. with these old bones. And then, um, yeah, I think, so yeah, making some progress in the chronic illness, although it's not really a progress of like getting better it's more like a progress of getting a better handle on it rather right um better understanding of it so that I can be more proactive in my health um and then um you know the moratorium on dating and sex and any kind of fiddle faddle like that was lifted but now it has um I don't know what would you call Re- that? Reinstated. It's been reinstated, right? Yes. Um, I have recused myself from sex and dating nice. uh, again because, yeah, I, you know, when you're fishing in the toilet, you're going to get turds. <laughs> so just a word to the wise out there, you know? Yeah. Um, that, and so that's a true statement. That's, <laughs> yeah. I think everybody can relate to that. <laughs> right. Stop like, fishing oh. in the toilet. Yeah, I mean you can oh. polish a turd. You can polish it, but it's still a turd. Yep. It's gonna. It's, it, at the end of the day, it still smells bad and it's still messy. Yeah. So, um. Anyways, um. Yeah. So that's that's been reinstated, and I, it's for the good actually because mm-hmm. my life has had a lot less drama and emotional upheaval because you know romantic relationships are extremely hard for me yeah um same and so so that's been nice um and then also you know I've been like learning on being more assertive with setting boundaries and you know if if some douche canoe like reaches out to me and is like oh hey it's been a while how how you been I'm like and they're like hey you know I would really love to see you and catch up sometime and I'm like yeah maybe I'll see you uh in public somewhere someday or never (laughs) or never yeah basically is what that is that's like kind of just like you know yeah that's probably not gonna happen but maybe I'll bump into you when we're in the same public place someday Mm -hmm. you know and not have not explaining it not getting into the whole like I'm not dating and I'm not you know doing the hanky panky so like you know get off my shit you know get off my you know I'm not having to say anything like that or justify it which feels good too because like some you know especially with cis gender heterosexual dudes you know you you say something like that and that's a challenge yeah you know it's like oh I don't I don't date or have sex but you know friendship i can i can offer you that and they're like oh i know what that means you know yeah Uh, or whatever and then they like will continuously pursue me until i finally like lose my like 
set boundaries with them over and over again and lose my lid and then never talk to them again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't even, I can see where it's going and no offense to, you know, people out there that uh, meet or reach this description, you know, in some way in their identity. But it's just, my experience has been if a guy is friends with a woman, it's because he has ulterior motives. It's not because he just can like look at me like I'm an equal human being and treat me as such instead of just being like, Oh, look, there's a vagina with legs, you know, like, that's cool. Let, let me, let me have at it. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, no, thanks. I'm I'm good. I don't need to, I don't need to have a conversation about that. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, the other thing I guess that's new with me is I'm taking some time off of work, which has been good for my self-care, but also not because, you know, it's the holidays and, uh, you end up spending a lot of time with people mm-hmm. and no, no offense people, but y'all drain me. <laughs> <laughs> I love you hey, so wait. much. You spent time <laughs> with me yesterday. <laughs> Am I included in that? Probably. Maybe a little bit. Okay. Because like, I'm just, I'm making the rounds right now. Like, I'm just going right. around to, like, everybody I know and just draining yeah. them. Yeah, and it's okay. That's what I'm doing. I'm not, you know, I'm not mad about it. You <sighs> know I've known you for so many years. Like, I really don't give a fuck. Because when it has been my turn, you've been there for me. It's, it's a, there's an ebb and flow thing. Sure. And it, it's, it's going to happen. And basic, based off of everything you're going through, it's completely understandable. There are no hard feelings or resentments there. I Thank do it you. willingly and with with full, you know, consent and commitment to all of it. We've talked about it. So it's Thank fine. Thank you. Yeah. And Absolutely. Same, same to you. All of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And yes. Um, so, yeah, it's not it's not a big deal. It's just that with my illness... It's, uh, it's a little, you know, I have to be a little bit more careful or responsible with my energy and I need to get better at that because I'm having to learn. And I've, I think I've mentioned this before in this podcast, this wonderful little thing called pacing, mm-hmm. which I am terrible at like a little bit of work, a little bit of rest, but no, I do big work and big rest and I'm like wiped. That's how I pace myself well, and it anything... doesn't work. Anything worth doing is worth overdoing, <laughs> yes. which has always been my motto. And right. right now, it has come back to bite me in the ass. So mm-hmm. uh, I need I'm I'm kind of like reassessing some things. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm in that space too, and I'm learning a lot from you and your journey as well. <sighs> you know the things that you share with me are helpful to me too so because it's crazy how many synchronicities and things go on where it's like oh she's got another piece of the puzzle I need to apply that to my life and Mm -hmm. start thinking about that and working on that shit so it's cool I like it and that's all about me that's it that's it not my circus not my monkeys totally my circus and my monkeys yep I'm mostly to blame for the fact that I'm drained. <laughs> what I'm trying to say. 
Yeah. Because, like, yeah, I'm spending more time with people and family. And, yes, it's stressful and hard work. But at the same time, if I'm taking good care of myself, then it shouldn't be so hard, you know. But I'm not good at that. The end. That's all I had to say. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was, like, staring at the little progress bar on the recording on my laptop. Uh -huh. And then I forgot I was supposed to actually be talking to, you know, that's what we're doing here. We're talking. Right. Um, so, let's see. Um, I talked before on a few episodes, I guess, about uh, my dear cat, Gypsy. And... Um, you know, she had a big tumor on her face and was diagnosed with squamous cell carcinoma. And because of her age and because of where it was on her face and how aggressive it was, it wasn't treatable. So, basically, I just had to, like, prepare for her to die, which is a terrible thing to have to do. And, um... So, uh, I've, I've kind of been, a just a fucking wreck. Just, like, like every emotion that a human can possibly feel, I have felt. And, um, just this past Thursday, on the 22nd of December, um, I had her put to sleep. Um, a doctor came to my house and spent over an hour with me just sitting and petting Gypsy and talking about her and we got some clippings of her hair and did a bunch of paw prints and um, and then she did the injections and so Gypsy is at peace. Um, and, you know, it felt like a, a relief. Um, but then also, like, there's just a big, like, hole in my life where Gypsy used to be. And it's kind of the worst. And, oh, kitty! Otis apparently decided this is the perfect time to <laughs> it get is. involved. Hi, buddy. <laughs> um, anyway. So, like, I keep, you know, like, seeing her out of the corner of my eye or, like, like, especially in bed, like, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and, like, reach for her and she's not there. And it has been really hard. And even before Thursday, when she was still alive, like, I was already going through, like, all of the stages of grief. And, um, you know, like, I can admit that I have not been handling it very well. I disagree, but I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> well, okay, I've been handling parts of it well. Let's say that. Other parts, not so well. 
Um, I kind of have gone into like self-destruct mode and um, like I almost uh, just said fuck it and just like quit all my classes and you know that would have been a huge disaster but I didn't do that. I actually was responsible and talked to all my teachers and got incompletes. So I have a year to finish them, but hopefully I'll finish them before that. Um, so that was one thing that I was, you know, I was almost ready to fuck up. And then the smart part of my brain was like, no, don't, please don't do that. Um, yeah, I, I can't say the same for other aspects of my life. I feel like I, like, my emotions have just been, like, out of control sometimes. And I just haven't, like, been my normal self. I've been, like, just this crazy person. And so it kind of sucks because I've ended up like hurting people without meaning to. And, you know, like I've been doing a lot of like reflection. And that kind of sucks sometimes when you have to admit that you have not been the best. I might know a thing or two about what that feels like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this, the last few months have been kind of like the worst time of my life. It kind of sucks. And I've just been like this crazy asshole and I don't know. Are you open to feedback or you yes, want to say always. something more about that? I'm always open to feedback. Um, I think that given that you are human, given all the cards that you have been dealt, you are using them to the best of your ability and with every advantage that you are trying to use them like you're able to pull you're able to see that you're in self-destruct mode or that you're wanting to self-sabotage and you're like yeah no and you were able to pull yourself back from that multiple times from different areas of your life um given the cards you've been dealt and what you have to deal with and that 17 almost two decades of your life with another person I will say that Gypsy was a person to you. Yes. Um, I don't think that you've acted like an asshole. I don't think that you've been a bad person. Um, I think, honestly, that you are getting through this and showing growth and showing change and showing a willingness and uh, humility and wanting to seek that growth 
for yourself because you're recognizing, okay, I'm in a lot of pain and there's a lot of changes going on and I need to adapt and I need to change to grow with this because otherwise I'm going to get buried in it. And so you're, you're literally like crawling yourself out of a mud grave, like crawling, you're like clawing your way out of it. And, and I think you're doing that. I think that you are reaching the surface and there are hands to catch you and bring you up. Wow. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to say now. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to unless you want to. Okay. Um... I'm just saying, I think you know, you're, you're, you're doing this with grace. Like you're using all the tools at your disposal. You're like literally thinking of everything you've apologized to the people that you felt like you were being an asshole with. And honestly, you, the things you've told me, you weren't even being an, you weren't even being that bad, as bad <laughs> as you were thinking about yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, if there are two things that I'm good at, it is, they are overthinking mm -hmm. and <laughs> inventing problems where they don't exist. Mm -hmm. And that has been my jam. That's like all that I've been doing recently is overthinking everything and creating problems and like inventing all these scenarios in my head that haven't happened and probably aren't going to happen but then like reacting to them like they have happened mm -hmm. and then you know i just need to you know li live in the now as garth mm -hmm. would say <laughs> right because <laughs> there's there are things that are actually happening now that i need to deal with instead of like making up things that aren't going to happen and haven't happened. Yeah, but I don't, I feel like, because, like, I have very similar symptoms and, and under, understanding of, of mental health. And I think that, um, you know, you can't help that the past is present, mm -hmm. you know, because it's trapped in the body and it's trapped in the biology of the brain, you mm -hmm. know, and so you can't, help that but what you can do is be mindful of it which is what you're doing because you're already showing mindfulness and your ability to kind of observe yourself self-destructing and like observe yourself wanting to self-sabotage and like wanting to blow up your life in these areas mm -hmm. and instead of doing it impulsively which is probably what old heather or heather in the past would have done yeah. you didn't do you haven't done it and that shows growth. That's different. I mean, I, I kind, I kind of did. <laughs> there was an, there was an incident that I'm really not proud of, um, but I've told you about it in private. Right. Um, right. But I was, you know, like full on self destruct, and it didn't work. Yeah. Because the other person involved decided to be an adult, and we worked it out. But, yeah, I'm still beating myself up about that. 
even though so. that person has forgiven me and you know I'm still like you know like I think about the way that I acted and I just like cringe about it and it's like it's it's in the past it's been forgiven I can't change it like you know and I think a lot of it is you know the the actual thing I'm dealing with is so hard and big and terrible that you know I'd rather deal with other things that are more like familiar and easier to deal with right and so I'm like stirring up problems in those areas because that's what I know how to deal with Mm-hmm. Yeah. And basically the way to deal with those things is whoever is involved in those situations is just to push them as far away as possible as quickly as possible. Mm, yep. So I'm I'm trying really hard to not do that because the mm. people involved are people that I want around. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I've been, you know, like doubting my instincts and feeling like I can't really trust myself mm -hmm. so it's good that I have people like you and also you know my therapist and also other friends that I can be like you know can you like translate this for me or you know, validate what's happening. Like, tell me if this is real uh -huh. or if this is something I made up. And like nine times out of ten lately, ten times out of ten, it's probably been something I made up. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like I'm making progress because I can see all these things uh -huh. and I'm recognizing it and I'm, I'm pulling back from the, you know, bad behavior that I would have done in the past. Right. And, like, making better choices. And, you know, but it's exhausting. And mm -hmm. so, like, I've taken a break from social media. Um, you know, I just need to, like, have a fresh start at certain things. Uh -huh. and just kind of like declutter my brain that's what's happening with me that's my update uh, yeah no I, I can relate to exactly what you're talking about where you like think about old behavior or something that you did and like you're cringing kind mm -hmm. of on the inside when you reflect on it yeah um I've as a recovering alcoholic I've experienced that at crap ton um and uh like I'll literally it's like I have these shame flashbacks mm -hmm. like these obtrusive thoughts and memories Whoa. will enter my head about the things that I experienced or did or part of or was a part of or whatever the fuck back in the day and like instantly I would just feel this shame and it would just wave, it would just, it was like somebody had a remote control and they were controlling my brain mm -hmm. and they were changing the channel to these memories of all the shit that I did. 
and then I would hit shame. It was like an invisible bat was just hitting me in the head like yes. over and over again every time that I and I'd feel shame, 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 all this toxic shame. And I was just like, yeah, no, I've made amends for these things. I've, I've, and I'm also, you know, I've apologized to these people and the people that I can't because either they're dead or like, I'm never going to see them again because for some reason or another, I can't contact them. I'm making a living amends Mm -hmm. by, by changing my behavior and learning from it. Right. And going forward and being practical and taking action and being like, okay, you know, I'm not going to, I'm never going to do that to another person again. I know that was wrong and I, and I don't want to do that. Um, and so I think that is when, for me, when I feel like almost like my consciousness is raising and I'm kind of going through these growth spurts where it's just like, I feel like my head's going to explode. And, um, on the other side of it, you know, like after I kind of process all of that and I get through it, um, like they start to go away and I start to balance out and I start to feel better again. And it doesn't mean that I don't like still have them on occasion, but it's not as frequent. It's Mm -hmm. like, I'll go through these like phases where it's just happening all the time. And then I'll do some more work on myself and I'll grow a lot more through self exploration and self help and all that kind of stuff, you know, whether it's, you know, in the 12 step community or, or like through therapy or some other modality, whatever it is that I'm taking advantage of to better myself. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of that, I generally, there, there is some relief and it does happen. Um, or at least it has for me. So, mm-hmm you know, want to put a little hope out there for you that thank you does get be- does get better. I know it does and it will. And like, I'm going to be fine. And all of my relationships are going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is only temporary. It's not a permanent place you're going to be. Right. do have a lot of snacks and speaking of snacks I brought that bucket in with me for us <laughs> to look at yes, <laughs> yes dude oh god yes for you guys that don't know that are listening right now you are in for a treat um literally and figuratively so Heather got a gift basket for Christmas from a relative I believe yeah my aunt Susan yeah, shout out to Aunt Susan for this wonderful gift basket because each package, you know, like Heather, like I came and surprised Heather yesterday on Christmas Day. Um, her and her family um, had gotten some gifts, of course, and, and she was just laying on the couch, just kind of like being a sad bastard. <laughs> yeah, being, we were having a sad bastard Christmas. It was awesome. It was really and, nice. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> And then, and then, um, yeah, and then, and then, you know, she got this basket, like, full of all these goodies, and she's like, I don't even know what they are, I don't even, 
I'm like, so I start picking up the things and looking at it. I'm like, these things are surprisingly vague. Yeah. It doesn't say a damn thing about what's inside them. It just, it tells you about the experience in a very descriptive way. And and we're going to read some of these. Yes. We're going to, gonna, we're going to read some of them. Um, Cause it's great. There, it's like, there's no way of knowing what they actually are. And uh, <laughs> it's more like the packages are describing to you the emotional experience you're about to have, but mm-hmm. not what any of the ingredients are, or if maybe you shouldn't have it because you have an allergy and will die. You know, like there's no there's no warnings on any of these. Um, and some of these allergies are pretty serious. Um, like this one is for sweet temptations. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Was that close Keep enough going. to the microphone? Dude, that was beautiful. We <laughs> Oh god. Okay. The writing is really small and I'm I can't Okay. <clears throat> Indulge in our signature collection of decadent sweets. That's all it says on the whole package. <laughs> what is what even is it what is it it's this one. Oh, okay yes yeah. it's like a little it looks like some kind of fruit and nut cluster should i eat one? Oh, yes okay and can you eat it when you're close to the mic <laughs> <laughs> yes let's let's get the full asmr going oh okay this is surprising it looks like a little taffy oh cute okay it's wrapped in wax paper oh this is weird it's like some kind of i don't even know the word for this nougat of some sort okay here we go Was that how's that? It was perfect. (laughs) I was I was laughing so hard I wasn't even making any sounds. I was like seizing. (laughs) Mm, Sounded tasty. Mm Mhm. So what is it then? Um. It's like chocolate with some kind of like very finely chopped nuts in it. Mm. Is it kind of caramely and chewy too, like nougaty? Yeah. Okay, that was good. Neat. It was good. Neat. <laughs> I approve of the sweet temptations. Okay. <clears throat> now some of these I want you to read, so I'm gonna have to like take pictures and send them to you. Oh, I, I can't wait. Okay. I'm I'm waiting. I'm here. Do you wanna do you wanna do chocolate heaven? Oh do I <laughs> Okay, hang on. I have to take some pictures here. <laughs> I can hear it. 
I literally heard the camera shutter click. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry I'm okay. so sniffly. Oh, you're fine. So am okay. I. Here Got a we, little emotional there. Here we go. I know. This it's the sweet temptation is very emotional. Mm. Alright, I'm sending you three pictures. Okay. And let do you wanna alternate? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Loading. <laughs> oh, sorry. Loading. Chocolate heaven. A tr <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can't do it. Okay, I can do it. You can do it. Can do it. <clears throat> A truly spiritual experience. Studies show that nine out of ten people love chocolate. Studies show one out of ten people lie. Chocolate heaven, join us on our spiritual journey as you experience the silky smooth taste of our upscale line of dipped chocolates. We've scoured the earth to find the perfect blend of delightful and enjoyable treats. We then dunked and drizzled them in mounds of chocolate. Enjoy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Was that good? Was that decent? It was really good. Okay. okay, hell yeah. Let's see. Milk chocolate amaretto almonds is what they are. Ooh, it tells you on the package on the inside of the package? Yeah, there's like a little bag. Oh, it's sweet, dude. Um, okay, so they're just, it's like an almond <gasps> dipped in chocolate. Um, jelly. Okay, here we go. Pretty good. Okay. Was it indeed an almond? Yeah. I didn't have a spiritual experience. Mmm. So I feel a little let down because I really had high expectations. Yeah. I mean, with a description like that, you really would think <clears throat> that it would be more than just an M&M with almonds kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Oh, my God. This is intense. Okay, this one is also by Sweet Temptations. Ooh. Okay. This okay. one this one says Candies reminiscent of our innocent childhood when the best and brightest moments could have lasted forever. Enjoy. Ooh. What do you think it is? Oh dear God, I don't know. Um, probably Another sweet of some kind? Another sweetie? They are assorted milk toffees. Ooh, I love toffee. I feel kind of bad that you're not here to test them out. Eh, it's okay. I'll save you some. Aw, thanks. Okay. 
What's this one called again? It doesn't, it's just another Sweet Temptation, but it doesn't have oh. like a name other than whatever milk toffee I just said. Mm. Okay. Wow. Your saliva is really going for it there. I can mm -hmm. hear it. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Hey, that's what you wanted. It is. Okay. Yeah, I got what I asked for. Okay, then we have these mystery pretzels. Oh, this one actually says what it is. It's a dark chocolate graham cracker. Ooh. I'm going to save that for later. Okay. All that this one says is that a party without pretzels is just a meeting. And it has a picture of a pretzel on it, as I recall. Mm -hmm. But not that it, if it's dipped in anything specific. Yeah. Whoa. Milk chocolate peanut butter pretzel nuggets. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. I love sweet and salty. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what it says on the thing. It says sweets and savories. Oh, look, it's like a big nugget. Ooh. It looks like a tiny Butterfinger. Yeah. For listeners who want to know what this looks like. <laughs> <laughs> For those that care. This is podcast gold right here. <laughs> yes. That's a pretzel. Well, anybody not hungry um after listening to all this <laughs> there's something wrong with you. I don't know. Some people get grossed out when they can hear other people eating. Oh yeah, that's true. But I don't care. So it's basically like a little tiny pretzel nugget filled with peanut butter and then dipped in chocolate. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, there's still so many to go. Way to go, Susie. Right? <clears throat> I'm going to send you this one. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is a really good description. <laughs> sorry <clears throat> it's okay I'm not sorry oh here we go that's a good one nature's medley an arrangement of earth's bounty combined with nature's truly unique seasoning to create that splendid harmony from intro to crescendo you'll experience the striking flavors as they blend together to compose the perfect masterpiece. Nature's medley, a melodious symphony for your taste buds. Enjoy. Okay, it's basically just like mixed nuts with uh, yogurt covered raisins and mm. uh, butterscotch chips. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. 
creme brulee mix is what they're calling it. Ooh. I love creme brulee. Get in here. Okay, here's a yogurt covered raisin. Is that good? Mm-hmm. Maybe some... I've never loved you more than I do right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a peanut and a little uh, butterscotch chip. Aw, yummy. That's pretty good. <clears throat> okay. Here we go. For any of you guys wondering, we will eventually get around to Coasters, <laughs> I swear <laughs> Well, maybe. No, we will. Oh, yeah. We're going to do it. <sighs> Even if it takes us six hours. That's right. Because this is important. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this is the one. This is the Munchberry Farms. Oh, yes. The finest in gourmet snacking. <laughs> and then on the back, this is the description. Come join us as we wander through the rolling hills and hidden valleys of Munchberry Farms. Experience its feel, scent, and taste of Earth's bountiful pleasures. We've combined contemporary trends with old-fashioned quality to create a collection of tasteful treats. Share it with family and friends. Enjoy. Mm. I like the sound of that one. Yeah, let's see what it actually is. I'm assuming it probably has some berries <laughs> or something. They're little chocolate mint cookies. What? That's weird. That this, is not what I... If this cookie doesn't give me an orgasm, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> I mean, there's just been, like, so much buildup with these descriptions, and it's just been... I... Like, they're good treats, but they're not, like, out-of-this-world spiritual experience. experiences. Yeah. a good little cookie. Aww. Chocolate and mint, just like it says. Mm. I feel like at this point in my life, I just have no shame. <laughs> like, I'm just open mouth chewing all these snacks, like, right into the microphone. <laughs> or at least you don't have shame around the things that like really like the rules were meant to be broken these things don't matter <laughs> you know yes <clears throat> all right do you want to read robin's pantry the finest in snacking i'd love to oh you sure do <laughs> okay <laughs> okay this one's like in cursive almost so you gotta Really 
you know, know how to read or something. Oh, good. Yeah. Good thing I was taught cursive in my childhood. <laughs> mm-hmm. Back before everything switched over to text messaging and emails and stuff. So mm -hmm. basically there's no need to have fancy handwriting anymore. Right. What began as an afternoon activity with her children provided the inspiration for a full-scale operation, bringing high-quality snacking to the general public. Filling the need for homemade quality snacks, Robin's Pantry is the place to rummage when you're feeding the <laughs> crave. Feel, oh, fe feeling the crave. There we go. And they're kosher certified. Hell yeah. Okay, but what they are are lemon blueberry cookies. Good. Mm -hmm. Ooh, they're just little tiny cookies. Oh, how cute! They sound so crispy. They are. They're very good. Okay. Nice. Okay, we're, we only have a couple left. Okay. I'm obviously not going to read the one that's in Italian. <laughs> <laughs> like, all yeah. that I know about it is that it is tomato and oregano. And it contains wheat. Let's see. Good oh no, I dropped one! Okay. <clears throat> This is the Pyroline chocolate hazelnut. See, these actually tell us exactly what they are and have a picture. Yeah. But they have like this whole like three paragraph description, so I'm going to read it. Enjoy the magic of the moment. There are moments you remember all your life. Big moments and special moments. Then there are all the moments in between. They are smaller, but in their own way, they are just as important, because they are the moments that actually make up your life and connect your days. Ooh. Pyroline exists, and always has a place in your pantry, because what we do best is make all the small moments a little more special. We take the ordinary day-to-day -day experiences that make up who we are and what we do, and we add a little sweetness and a little magic. So with Pyroline, all the moments of your day are just a little more special. Aww. I know, that's really beautiful. Yeah, and as far as I know, you could probably put them in your coffee, your latte, or your 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 hot cocoa or something like that. Mm -hmm. And use it as a stir, an edible yeah. stirring device. We're not sponsored by any of these things. <laughs> There were two more, but then I one of them fell way over there, and I'm not going to get it. 
That's just inconvenient. How rude of that thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> I'm just going to read this one because it's it doesn't have a lot of words on it. It's basically described as an exquisite collection for the true gourmand. Ooh, I love that word. <laughs> From the finest in gourmet refreshments, the Epicurean collection is certain to please even the most discriminating palate. From fresh nuts to baked confections, it is surely the gourmand's delight. Ooh. I'm excited about this one for some reason. I mean, I'm not much of a gourmand. I mean, I I have literally cooked hot dogs in a coffee pot that plugged into the car. I believe it. So, you know, I don't have a very discriminating palate. So this is just, uh, are you ready for the climax? Yeah. <laughs> After all that? It's butter toffee popcorn. Ooh, yum -om. All right. That is Ooh. actually surprising because when it says <clears throat> Epicurean, for some reason, I'm like thinking like meats and cheeses. And I know. And it's bread like or something. The fresh nuts to baked confections. I didn't get either of those things. Bastards. They lied to me. They did. But it's, I mean, it's good popcorn. Yeah. So, you know, I can't be too mad about it. Well, now I'm freaking starving and I want to go grab some trail mix. Okay. You want to pause and you can go yes. grab a snack? Yes. Let's okay. do that. Let's, let's, uh, let's pause for those who are hungry. Yes. Everybody go grab a snack. Yeah. And we'll be back in a minute. Everybody. Are we going? Yeah, I think, so. I think so. We did it. <clears throat> the thing Yay. is moving. Alright. So I guess we can talk about ghost hunters now. Oh, really? If that's what, <laughs> if you're ready. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> is that the whole point of this podcast or something? No. Oh, and I would like to air a grievance that um, the old episodes of Ghost Hunters have all been removed from Discovery Plus. They only have the very newest seasons. And by newest, I mean the, the new ones with Jason, Steve, and Dave. And then the two seasons that were Grant and his people. But none of mm. the previous seasons like 11 seasons or something so uh discovery plus that sucks okay <clears throat> do you want to do you want to do the first case or the second case 
Um, I can do the first one. Okay. So this is season two, episode two. Um, you know, just kind of like as a preface for the episode, there are two residential investigations that are being done. The first one is the Grafton House which is our first episode with Dustin Perry. Yay! It's our first ever introduction to Dustin Perry, who I love. Me too. He's amazing. He's awesome. And it's great to be reminded of how far he's come. Mm-hmm. You know, to just see him when he first started out and he's trying to get tips and get taught by Brian fucking Harnois. <laughs> how to be a ghost hunter yay but brian brian was actually very humble though at least like he Mm -hmm. admitted in this episode he's like to dustin perry he's like hey i'm not a god i'm human i make mistakes i still make mistakes at this at ghost hunting like Mm -hmm. and that's okay you know you're gonna learn um which i thought was very cool because uh, clearly from the onset of this episode, we can see that Brian is in still in hot water with Jason and Grant. Like, you know, both Jason... Well, it seems like Jason is ex- incredibly doubtful that mm-hmm. Brian is going to get his act together be- by everything that he's saying. And he's like, yeah, we've heard this before. He will try to do better for a little while, like a month or two, and then he's going to do it again. You know, and so, but, you know, Grant is trying to keep the peace and is like, let's just take it by day by day. Let's just watch it. You know, let's just see, you know. Yeah. Um, what's also interesting about the Grafton house is it's kind of an, it's an emergency situation, which I think at first I was like, when I was first getting into ghost hunters, I was like, when is a paranormal investigation ever an emergency situation that just Mm -hmm. does not like think of that I mean it just does not you know like I've never heard of a ghost killing someone you know yeah or maybe maybe I've I've heard of like supposedly demons having hands in people's suicides or murders sure but it was like they were possessing someone or they were you know something weird like that but I've never heard of like human ghosts like doing anything, having a a crisis emergency situation. But here's where they kind of introduce the fact, well, we're both dads and we would hate it if something was affecting our children that's affecting the Grafton House children, which I can't remember what their last name is. It's just called Grafton House, but the woman that they're interviewing has a different last name. And I'm just like, um, I don't know if... Well, because it's in the town of Grafton, I think is why they call it that. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Thank you. Um, but I'm crunching my little heart out too. I'm eating some trail mix. Mm -hmm. Um, sorry kids. I'm hungry. Um, so due to children being involved, an alleged child ghost supposedly interfering with the children's sleep, um, You know, Taps kind of rushed to the rescue on this situation, you know, because they believed that, you know, the lack of sleep is kind of changing the children's personalities and it's kind of messing with them and it could potentially cause harm to the children. 
And so they're rushing on this case. Supposedly, even though they're, you know, we never hear any like actual documentation of this or historical things to back it up, but supposedly a suicide has been committed upstairs in the home and a male ghost is seen multiple times in apparition. Um, supposedly a little girl ghost or, and, um, you know, is, is trying to play with the kids, you know, um, they found human, supposedly human bones under the house in the crawl space. And so they needed to package that stuff up and then send it out to an anthropologist to get tested, to see if it is indeed actually human bones. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, they found some weird EVPs, um, or not EVPs, but, um, some weird EMF spikes yeah. and Andy actually gets a kind of a weird experience in an area where they get EMF spikes going up the stairs mm -hmm. to where the alleged suicide happened. And he feels this heavy presence and like a pressing down on his chest. Mm -hmm. Um, but the whole thing was pretty much debunked by tabs. Um, they were able to, um, actually record the children while they're sleeping and see what's going on. And it turns out that it's actually the little boy and the little girl have uh, bunk beds and the little boy is sleepwalking or getting up in the middle of the night. And then he comes down, comes back and starts poking his sister. And then his sister wakes up 15 minutes later and is all super upset because there's nobody there. And why am I being bothered while I'm sleeping? You know? Mm -hmm. And so they were able to do that in, in the reveal and they were also able to find the EMF spikes in the stairwell up to the attic where the supposed suicide had taken place, um, where Andy was experiencing that pressure and that pain on his chest and not being able to take a full breath kind of feeling. Um, and maybe that's because he's sensitive to EMF, you know? Yeah. Um, who, who knows, you know? But good Lord, Heather, I don't know, Drolet. Is that mm -hmm. how you pronounce your last name? I don't know. Ugh, Heather and her flipping dowsing rods were in this episode. <laughs> um, God bless her. I'm sure she's a wonderful person. I don't have anything personal against her. I'm just not crazy about dowsing rods. And I think that it unfortunately um, hinders the movement of people who believe in the paranormal and do research and investigations and are like involved in, you know, the supernatural or paranormal field mm -hmm. that people like her are actually doing us a disservice. They're making us look, look bad. Mm -hmm. They're, they're making us look like witch doctors and weirdos or something, you know, basically not having anything scientific to back up the claims, you know, mm -hmm. using dowsing rods. Um, let's see. <clears throat> but I love how Jason says, I can't base an investigation on an emotion or a feeling. Mm-hmm. Those are facts. Yeah. You know, you can't, not that I have a whole lot of experience ghost hunting. I've only ghost hunted like a few times in my life, but, but yeah, like if you want to prove that there is something spiritual, something outside of the body that's happening after we die or whatever you believe ghosts are, 
um, you want hard evidence. You want something to back it up, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of say to the skeptics and to the whole field, like, okay, you know, here, here you go. How do you explain that? You know? Um, and so they went into it very, and they systematically debunked pretty much all the claims that the family were having. And they were very tactful and said, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that none of this stuff is going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out the, the human bones turned out to be deer bones, animal bones, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, and yeah, I mean, and Andy's, yeah, Andy might be sensitive, you know, who knows if there really was a guy who committed suicide upstairs. Uh, but you know, I do want to, you know, maybe the women in this family are also EMF sensitive Mm -hmm. because maybe that's why they're experiencing, uh, seeing apparitions you know, because that is actually one of the symptoms of high EMF or for people, uh, hallucinations is actually one of the symptoms mm-hmm. of people who, um, when they're exposed to EMF and they're sensitive to it, that they can have side effects or symptoms that go along with that. And hallucination is actually one of the ones. But I don't really want to say that they were hallucinating. I don't really feel comfortable with that just because of the stigma attached to that and right. also because like we have no evidence of that we have no evidence that it is you know that they were just hallucinating or they were because you know both women were still were seeing a male ghost in the house mm-hmm. so it, you know maybe their family the family's experiences are valid but they were just kind of inventing things to validate what was going on because they couldn't figure it out yeah. They I wanted to know say, what the hell's going on, you know? I don't I don't want to accuse anybody of anything. But uh when they ask the little girl what's been happening to her, right, when she's sleeping, she definitely seems like she's being coached on what to say. Cuz she starts right. answering and then she stops and like looks up at her mom and then finishes what she was saying and she has this look on her face like, "Was that right? Is that what I was supposed to say?" Mm-hmm. And, um, so that Because she me... said, the little girl was asking me to play. I mean, the little, the ghost. Mm-hmm. So it just seems like that idea has been put in her head by the adults. Mm-hmm. And that she doesn't actually know what is waking her up. But the adults are telling her, well, there's ghosts in our house and, you know... But it turns out it's actually her brother waking her up. So, mm-hmm. so all in all, it's kind of an uneventful case, but it is a good case showing debunking. Mm-hmm. Like how they say that the, the door handle to the third floor, like it jiggles all the time, and then they figured out it's just the cat trying uh-huh. to get out. Yeah, um, I forgot about that part. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, they pretty much were able to go in there and say, you know, we didn't get anything and this is what we think is going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the family was kind of disappointed, except for the the father or the male figure of the house. I don't know what he what he is to the, the family. I don't think we can't just assume. But, yeah, probably the father of the children. Mm-hmm. Um, 
was actually kind of relieved. He's like, yeah, well, you know, kind of bummed out that they didn't catch anything. But at the same time, you know, I'm glad that it's not anything dangerous or it's something, it's not anything bad. You know what I mean? That they're finally got answers. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the two women who've seen the apparitions, I think are understandably a little bit more upset about that. But I think part of it is probably because of the bias. Cause it's like, okay, yeah, we want proof. You know, we want to something to substantiate and validate our experiences we're having mm-hmm. and we didn't get it. So there's disappointment, you know, and then it almost, I could see how from their perspective that might come across as like gaslighting or something like, yeah, this is all in your head. It's all explained by all this other stuff or whatever. You know what I mean? Even though that's not the way that ghost hunters at all approached it Yeah. that way, it's just, I can understand from the family's perspective that they might be kind of like, well, fuck, <laughs> then you know, what about the other experiences we're having? But, <clears throat> mm-hmm. you know, and that's fair. Yeah. Because we don't know. You yeah, know? we don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else to say about that one? Um. Uh, nope, I'm good. Okay. Okay, so moving on to case number two. Um, they are in another family home of the DeRamo family. And uh, we get introduced to another new TAPS member, Jill. Uh, so, blah, blah, Razalowski. blah. Yes. And then did we also get introduced to Paula Donovan as well? Or was this not her first episode? Paula went to Myrtle's Plantation. Oh, yeah. So we've seen Paula before, but this is our first time seeing Jill. Right. Um, and she's supposed to be an archivist, a TAPS archivist. Yes. Archivist, however Ar- you pronounce archi- that. Archive- archivist? I don't know. Okay. Words. Um, so a lot of the claims are like, you know, things moving on their own, like all the cabinets and drawers in the kitchen will be open. Um, there's a full body apparition of a man with a white face and dark clothes. They have this like Shakespeare bust on the mantle and it supposedly moves to like follow the daughter as she walks through the room. Um, one of her friends got pushed down the stairs. The beds vibrate. Um, and there is an apparition of a brownish woman with no feet and, uh, just like voices throughout the house and different things vibrating and stuff. So those are kind of the general claims. Um, almost like a poltergeist type activity going on too. Yeah. Some of it sounds like that. Um, so... They're in the basement, and uh, Jason is bringing up the fact that this activity only seems to happen when the daughter Haley is at home. And right when he's saying that, he feels this, like, like a hot sensation, like on his shoulder blade. And it turns out that, like, he has this big red spot. It's like a scratch or a burn. 
and he was just standing there like he didn't touch anything you know um, so that's crazy uh, and then uh, Paula oh can I can I clarify something really quick yes um just so listeners are aware in case you don't know and we've probably gone over this before but a poltergeist is a noisy ghost literally in German mm-hmm. and um usually objects will move or kitchen appliances you know it like it seems to poltergeist activity actually it, there's some sort of energy or force at work that is moving objects mm-hmm. and that's usually where it progresses to the point where uh, a ghost hunter will say okay this is like poltergeist mm-hmm. rather than just a um you know haunting of a particular type like um residual or something for an old home that's mm-hmm. had people live in it and die in its walls and if you know kind of just like trapped some sort of time memory emotion energy something that just plays like a tape over and over again doesn't do anything different and you can't interact with it Mm -hmm. um that's more of the residual type haunt and this sounds like more of a poltergeist Mm -hmm. so they all kind of agree that the activity centers around the daughter Haley. so paula sits with Haley in the bedroom and um you know, they're doing EVPs and stuff, and Haley says that she feels cold on her arm. And uh, so Brian is there, and Paula, and they both have digital thermometers, and the air around Haley goes down to, um, I think Brian says, like 46 degrees. Um, even though the previous reading was like 69. So. Um, that's pretty crazy, and they can track it, like, the cold moves up and down her body, and they can follow it with the thermometers. Which wow. Is, it's pretty cool. Um, and, uh, and then it just, it, like, dissipate, dissipates, it just goes away after a few minutes. Um. Yeah, because at first when I heard that, and sorry I'm interjecting so much, but when I, at first when I... <laughs> <laughs> When I first heard that, I was thinking, you know, oh, well, she said she's feeling tingling and feeling cold. That could just very well have to do with her body temperature and her circulation mm-hmm. or lack thereof from laying down or whatever, however mm-hmm. her position is. Um, but to hear that it's being backed up by, you know, a digital therm- thermometer, which you can actually point the laser at a specific something and get a reading of its temperature Mm-hmm. to back up her claims is pretty, it, it, that's very interesting to me. Yeah. Then that's, that's pretty much all that happens. Um, and then this is the one where Steve and Brian get in trouble for not paying attention when they're analyzing the footage and stuff. Um, so they have to do it again. They have to go through, they have like 30 hours of video plus hours of audio, and they have to do it again. Um, So, let's see. Um, At the reveal, Jason and Grant basically say that they think that the house has three different types of uh, hauntings. 
They think that there's the residual, which is like where the man with the white face just kind of is always in the same place and just like walks through the wall. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like what you were saying, it's just like a recording being played over and over and it can't interact and it doesn't know that it's there. And then there's intelligent haunts that try to interact or speak to the living people. Um, and, you know, intelligent haunts can also move things. Um, True. Just, you know, to try to interact. And they can, uh, you know, like, you know, move and communicate with, like, uh, EMF meters and K2 meters and stuff. Um, and then there's poltergeist, which, like what you were saying, it's when things move in kind of like bigger and sometimes violent ways where like you'll leave the kitchen and you'll come back a minute later and every single cabinet is open. Right. Um, or things are thrown against the wall, like more kind of dramatic, violent things. And it usually, according to research, um, poltergeist activity usually centers around a specific person. So it's yes. not tied to the location or an object, it's to a, a person. So a person is like kind of manifesting, like unknowingly manifesting this like um, energy. Which brings up the peak, what uh, in the industry is called PK or psychokinesis. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll say more about that if, if you, um, you know, af after you get done. Okay. Um, so yeah, it centers around a, a person in the home and it's usually a female. And uh -huh. I've heard, I don't know if they say it on this episode or if I read this somewhere else, but it's usually... A lot of times when it's a female, it will start in, like, adolescence. Mm hmm And, um, yeah, so that's an interesting thing. I want to read more about that. Um, and then, uh, they actually do have, uh, two EVPs. And, uh, one of them, to me, kind of sounds like it's saying, get out. Right. And then the second one is, like have them go or make them go or something like that but they both sound like male voices right you can't really tell exactly what they say but that's like what i thought they said yeah yep i agree so that's that's kind of that tell me about psychokinesis while i eat so, the rest of my tomato and oregano crackers you know what i didn't know that you ate any of those because we kind of you, well, after... I, I skipped it because I didn't want to, I don't read Italian. Oh. But okay. I'll tell you right now, they're just like little, little crackers, and they taste like if you got breadsticks with a side of just like plain marinara, and then you let it sit out to room temperature, mm -hmm. and then you dipped a cracker in it, that's what it tastes like. Oh, hell yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to complain. Okay, mm -hmm. psychokinesis. Tell me about it. It's, that sounds that sounds delicious. And speaking of delicious, of course, the cat feeder, as it is timed, <laughs> is going off right now. Mm -hmm. um, so I wrote a quick definition of psychokinesis. I I would say, uh, you know, psychokinesis kinesis is a type of energy or phenomena which is usually set centered around 
prepubescent or pubescent adolescents, especially most co more common in females, um, where an almost poltergeist-like activity follows them around wherever they seem to go. Um, it's hypothesized that it may have to do with the emotional and biological and subconscious changes a person is going through at that time, uh, which can manifest as psychic energy, uh, repressed emotions or subconsciousness from the person is manifesting and interacting with the environment. Um, and uh, it's kind of well known in parapsychology that, you know, there's been a lot of hauntings, which um, it seems that they attribute to the really violent or, or heavy duty hauntings they where they're studying or helping families in that situation it tends to be um you know kind of attributed to that adolescent or that that person rather than it actually being a haunting it's like almost like this person has this ability that wherever they go objects will start moving like they're, they've even shown footage, I think I've seen in really old black and white paranormal videos of, you know, like this woman being able to move a matchstick, even though it's behind a glass. Uh, and she's using, appearing to use her mental energy, even though there's nothing around the glass, nothing around her. There's mm. no way for her to like try to cheat because it's behind a completely enclosed surface. Um, so she supposedly can't be reached by any means to fake it. Um, and I've also seen some other stuff and, and, um, uh, you know, where people are able to like, um, like it seems like wherever they go, like, like there was one young woman, for example, who had psychokinesis or had PK, activity around her or coming from her and she would walk down the hallway at her job she's only 18 walk down her hallway and the dangling you know those lights that will dangle like from a chain on the on the ceiling and then kind of have a shade like mm -hmm. this and they'll kind of be like um like an upside or a right side up umbrella <laughs> the right side up umbrella uh, she would walk under it and then they would start swinging above her head as Ooh. she would walk past and like files would, you know, file drawers would open and papers would just start shooting out and things like that when Whoa. she was around. And so it's like, is it a haunting or is it the person mm -hmm. and their bud budding psychic abilities or whatever? Like, I don't know. Hmm. What do you think? I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough about it, honestly, mm. to have a very informed opinion. Um, well, what's your gut instinct then? Your intuition tell you? My gut tells me that the fact that these things are usually blamed on adolescent girls is problematic. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I don't know enough about how that data was collected and analyzed and who is the one saying this and, you know, like, is this information from the same days as, you know, hysteria was a, a considered a legit affliction? 
Right. Um, which basically was like, if a woman had an opinion that differed from her husband, she was diagnosed with hysteria and they would, you know, put her on cocaine and remove her uterus and, um, and give her orgasms. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Um, but basically like a woman having too many emotions or even, you know, just the normal amount of emotions. Mm. Um, yeah. You get could, blamed and shamed. Could get a woman diagnosed with hysteria and locked away for life in a hospital. Right. Um, so hysteria, even though I kind of like the idea of it because it's, you know, the kind of crazy that only a woman can have. Um, <laughs> so I kind of like it, you know, but also at the same time, that's pretty fucked up. Because right. here's the thing about emotions. They're totally normal things to have. Every yeah. single one of them, no matter how ugly or scary they are, they're normal. And, you know, like, we're, we're told so often to, like, hide the, you know, the bad emotions, you know, like, don't cry. Don't be you angry. Know, don't, yeah, like, you know, women don't get angry. Like, all this stuff, and, you know, men don't cry, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, we'd all be a lot better off if we could just, like, express our actual true emotions and have them be, like, recognized and understood by other people instead of, like, stigmatized and, you know, like, shoved down by, like, drugs and alcohol or whatever other addiction you can have instead of mm -hmm. feeling your feelings and you know, knowing how to process them and express them and, like, cope in right. productive and healthy ways, I feel like, you know. So to be like, oh, you know, this weird shit is happening in your house just because, you know, your daughter started her period, you know, like, that's very problematic right. for me. Right. And that's fair. I think that's wonderful opinion um because you know it, it, there is a bias um for sure i think that yeah it's like we're we're taught from an early age only certain emotions are uh, publicly or socially acceptable yeah and they're usually um, you know like joy and happiness and you know like the so-called positive emotions yeah, like those are allowed, you know, mm -hmm. you know, but and, and it really saddens me just because and I think we've talked about this in previous episode that, um, you know, women have to wait, do like wait most of the time we have to do a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to emotional intelligence or emotional maturity because mm -hmm. we're allowed to be more free, not completely, but mm -hmm. more free than a lot of men are to yeah. express how we're feeling and that, you know, we're, you know, allowed to have emotions, but then at the same time, you know, there's always, a seems to be like, okay, women are the intuitives, the emotional, the, 
the this you know and so we have this mantle that we've got placed on our shoulders of we've got to be the ones to do the emotional heavy lifting for the family mm-hmm. we've got to uh teach the man how to regulate himself and how to understand feelings or like being considerate of how to be considerate of other people to have empathy and put yourself in another person's shoes. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that that's fair um, to put all that on us. And then, yeah. And the other side of that is, you know, if a woman's emotions become, you know, too extreme or they make people uncomfortable or whatever, then you're just kind of written off as crazy or, you know, you're, you're just, you're being dramatic or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, whatever it is. And it's like, you know, people have emotions. That's the thing about humans. Like we have Mm -hmm. brains that make us have emotions. Right. And, and, Depending on what side of the coin you're on or like whether you're a creationist or evolutionist doesn't really matter. Like what I'm, my point is that we've evolved or we've at least adapted and had brains that have all of the, every single one of these emotions for a reason. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't be there if we, they didn't serve some sort of purpose. Exactly. So, you know, I've I've been I've been dealing with my own form of hysteria lately, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need to have my uterus removed. Maybe that would solve all of my problems that I've had of late. It might. I mean, maybe, but also probably not. I'm probably just like experiencing valid grief and loss and all of the millions of emotions that come with that what an idea i know you know like the uh the wheel of emotions have you seen those where you yeah you go to the center and you identify like the primary emotion that yes you know i feel like if we had one of those right now i could go around and check every single one of them off that I have experienced in the last, like, month or six weeks. Right. Like, every single human emotion has been coming out of me. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm I'm sure that I haven't been, like, super pleasant all the time. <laughs> but I think that's okay. I'm grieving. Yeah, and don't be so hard on yourself. Like, one of the, my favorite things I was ever told was... Um, put away the bat, Mm. put away the bat. And I was like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? She said, like, she's like, stop beating yourself up. Mm -hmm. Stop shaming yourself and beating yourself up for not being able to help what you've done or what you did or what you're Mm -hmm. going through. You shouldn't feel bad about having emotions and you shouldn't feel bad about, you know, being where you're at because of what you're dealing with in life. Yeah. You deserve good things, and I think you need to give yourself credit. You're doing, you're doing good. Lean into it. Okay. <laughs> I know that probably won't be comfortable, though. I hate leaning into my feelings. I'm an alcoholic, so I like run from my yeah. shit and stuff it all the time, or I distract myself from it, so I don't mm-hmm. have to feel it. 
Um, I've been doing a lot of uh, distress tolerance mm -hmm. exercises and like guided meditations and also um, radical acceptance. Mm. I think is something that needs to be talked about more. Basically, I'm just, like, going through the fucking DBT book and trying all the shit that's in there, because DBT is amazing. Oh, um, yeah. And it's very helpful, and it definitely helps me, because, you know, in DBT, it's the, there's, like, the two minds, right? Mm -hmm. And then, like, there's the, like, emotional mind and the rational mind or whatever, I don't know what they're called. Is that what they're called in DBT? You know what I mean, though. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember. I ha It's been a long time. Yeah, Bear but it, it's basically, like, there's the side of us that is, like, ruled by our emotions, and then the mm -hmm. side of us that is ruled by logic and rational thinking. And those two sides overlap, and in DBT, where they overlap, it's called the wise mind. Right. And that's, like, the goal when you're going through DBT, which I should explain. It's called Dialectical Behavioral Theory, and it's based in Buddhism. And, um... Mindfulness, yeah. Mindfulness. And, uh, so your, your goal is to work to find the place where the two sides of your brain overlap in the wise mind. And, um... And then you'll have this balance between the emotional side and the logical side. Because you need both. Right. You know, they both keep us alive and functioning. And sometimes, you know, you get to a place where you're too... You know, everything that you do is being ruled by your emotions, which is kind of where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. And then some people kind of shut off their emotions and they're just ruled by logic and thinking yeah and, and they that, intellectualize all their feelings right and that doesn't totally serve you either because you're cutting off this whole part of you because if you cut off right. you know the bad emotions you're cutting off the good ones too yeah and um i don't really like to call emotions good or bad but you know what i mean the bad emotions that people don't like dealing with like sadness and grief and anger and things that make you uncomfortable you know, people want to, like, feel pleasure and joy and happiness and whatever. And uh, yeah. you, you can do both. You yeah. can have both. Um, yeah, because life has its natural ups and downs, whether you like it or not. And I don't know how this ended up, you know, PK drifted into this conversation, <laughs> but I love it. And I'm here for it because... Um, yeah, psychokinesis, it, you're, you've got a really good point. It's being blamed on young women mm -hmm. or young girl, uh, adolescent girls, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, yeah. So it's like, we're being, even in the paranormal field, we're being pathologized right. and labeled. <laughs> like, right. like you uh, and your, your uterus are causing this haunting and it's like, well, maybe that'd be cool <laughs> if we could do that. You know, if that was legit, I would, cause let me tell you, I'd be haunting all sorts of things. If my uterus was that powerful. Fuck yeah. I'd be throwing shit across the room all the time with my uterus. Yeah. You know? Those yeah, little fallopian tubes would be like arms swinging a bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? That cervix has a good little grip on her. Yeah. She just grips on 
you know, those little ke- those little Kegel muff- muscles just That's kick right. in. And How's your just pelvic like, floor, you know? Yeah, how's it doing? Um, great, actually. Thank you for asking. <laughs> You're um, welcome. What was I talking about? Oh, we were just talking about if, like, PK being blamed, blamed on women and histrionics and, you know, how it's all kind of, like, tied into oh, paranormal. Yeah. But then we're it's getting into the mental health side about dialectical behavior therapy and how that's been helpful oh, for God, you. Oh, God, yes. It's so good. I recommend it to everybody. Because, um, like, one of the problems that I have is that I have what I call my, my trauma brain, which is, you know, like, lying to me all the time right like if somebody says something my trauma brain will interpret it in the worst way possible and twist it all around and be like this is what they mean when they say that this is what's Mm -hmm. really going on this is why this happened and like my rational brain is like no (laughs) Mm -hmm. like this is this is what you know this is reality here And because I've been so emotional, it's been harder for me to quiet the trauma brain. And And find that wise mind. And listen to the rational brain that is keeping me, like, grounded in reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And so by doing, like, distress tolerance exercises, you know, it's basically like you know, whatever, like, bad thing you're feeling, like, there are ways to get through it without ignoring it. Right. And so there are just skills that you can learn to just, like, kind of sit in your sadness or your grief or your frustration or your anger or whatever is, like, eating at you, like, jealousy, like, any of those things that just kind of make your stomach churn. Right. You know, like, it's not stewing. But it's productively moving through it without ignoring it. Right. And uh, and radical acceptance is a big part of that, where you just, like, you have to accept reality as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't particularly like the fact that my cat is dead. Mm. But she is dead. And that is real life. I can't do anything to change that. And so all of these big feelings that I'm having about it, like, I have to just feel them. Right. And, um... But it's hard. It is really hard. And it's a skill that you can practice and get better at. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the most important things that I have learned. And, you know, it's a work in progress all the time. Like, you're never an expert at it. Right. Um... But you, it's so important to sit in your feelings. Yeah, and really imagine. experience them and, and figure out. Because sometimes you'll feel something and you don't know why. And yeah. so if you kind of sit there and think about it, you know, you can figure out, like, where that came from and what caused it. And then if you know what caused it, maybe you can do something about it. Or maybe Absolutely. you can't do anything about it and you just need to, like, accept it and move on. Right. Exactly. And so that's, you know, like, that's what I've been really working on lately. Um, and it It's has, hard, though. 
it's so hard and it you know and it'll make you face some kind of ugly things about yourself and mm-hmm. um but i mean that's the only way that people are ever going to like heal and get better you know yeah, you, you have to face yourself absolutely i concur i, I like carl jung would call it you know the shadow self the mm-hmm. shadow side is like that part of us like a lot of conflict arises in us by suppressing ourselves, mm-hmm. suppressing our emotional lives or our spiritual lives or wh- whatever aspect of ourselves that we're keeping subconscious or hidden mm-hmm. or in denial about, you know, we're, you know, you, the fastest way for like my experiences n- that my feelings never really ever go away. They just wait in my body or my soul or whatever you want to call it to mm-hmm. come forth when I'm ready to feel them. And cause I know from personal experience that's happened to me multiple times. Once I got clean and sober, uh, over 11 years ago, um, that, um, years and years of stuffing my feelings down with drugs and alcohol multiple times, like literally like erupted and burst out of me in uncontrollable ways. My Mm -hmm. anger, I had to learn to like listen to heavy metal music and drive down the freeway and just (laughs) scream along to the music Mm -hmm. or like, or I'd punch my pillow or I'd scream into my pillow. You know, I'm just like, I had to let it out because Mm -hmm. I was just, I didn't know where it was coming from or why I was feeling it. But I assume it has to do with the fact that the body does keep the score. Emotions do stay in the body. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that, you know, like me just shoving down my problems or my feelings for years and years had a consequence. And that was number one, when I finally did have to start feeling them when I got sober, um, I didn't have the tools or the emotional maturity to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I got lucky because I, I did find a lot of things on my road, on my way to help me out. But at the time, you know, when I was first starting out, I didn't know shit about fuck. You know, I was completely like, oh, my God, this is overwhelming. Where is this coming from? Oh, my God, I'm going to am I going to die? Yeah. You know, like I feel like I'm going to suffocate because I'm crying so hard. Right. And I, you know, I was there the other day. I was right. crying so hard I could not breathe. Yes. Yeah. I've been there. Oh my God. It's so hard. It's so hard because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I know I've got so much more that I need to let out, but mm-hmm. I just can't. And so there's been times where, um, you know, like I have to work, I have to pay my bills. I have to do chores. Like mm-hmm. I have to keep my life together. And I know that face you're making is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's like, frowning kind of disgustedly you know you know kind of shaking uh, my head like no yeah no yuck yuck (laughs) you know and I and I get that because that's how I feel about it too sometimes it does actually make me feel a little bit nauseated Mm -hmm. when I when I kind of touch on some really sore spots inside where I'm like touching on some shame or I'm touching on some fear Mm -hmm. um or I'm touching on some old wound and then I'm like it literally will make me feel nauseated and I'm like, Oh my God, I want to vomit. Like Mm -hmm. this is so ugly and gross, but also so good at the same time, like where I'm like learning how I'm like starting to savor it. And, and, but anyways, so back to, you know, 
when I'm trying to keep my life together somehow, when I'm going through all of this emotional upheaval in my life, I've had to learn how to do what's called shelving. And um, so it's basically me acknowledging my feelings and saying, okay, I see you, buddy. I know you're there, but right now I got to keep my shit together because I'm at work or because I've got this other thing. Like, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you genuinely do need to take a break and you probably need to do some self-care or sleep or whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you just don't have that option, you know? And so that's when I recommend using shelving, which is I basically see this image in my brain of a shelf. I see the emotions as a color, as an energy inside my mind. And I put it in a box and I put it up on the shelf and I say to myself and to those feelings, like, I see you. I know you're there. I'm going to deal with you. But right now I don't, I don't have time. I've got to keep focused on this and finish this first, but I promise I will get back to you. Mm-hmm. I'm And do not, and I cannot leave it there because it will, it's crazy, but it's almost like this imagery goes on my, in my head that the emotions will literally start seeping out and breaking the box and coming out of it. Mm-hmm. And I can visually see it in my mind and it's like, Oh shit. Okay. Nope. Nope. I got to sit with this. I got to deal with this and I got to lean into this, but it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage. Let me just say that because I don't think any of us were ever raised to deal with our emotions health in a healthy way ever. Or at least not for me, for me and a lot of other people I know who grew up in dysfunctional families. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's, that's exactly where I'm at. And that, that actually reminded me of a recurring dream I used to have. Um, I was in the dream. I'm like living in this weird apartment that um, like it's really dark and kind of musty, but it's just like this. It's just full of stuff. And... Um, like, every time I would have this dream, it would be different stuff, but it would be things, like, from my real life, you uh-huh. know, like, just whatever, like, toys that I used to have, or, like, books that I've read, or clothing from a certain period of time, or, you know, but they were all, like, recognizable items. Right. And, um, and it was just, you know, like a like a hoarder's house. Just, like, all this stuff piled up everywhere that it could go. And there would be somebody with me. It was always, like, a different friend. And they'd be there because I had to move out of this place. Um, and it was, like, urgent. I had to, like, pack up all this stuff and move out of this place. And so this, whoever the friend was, it was always, like, an actual person that I knew. But it would change. Um, right. And, you know, they would help me, like, they'd bring in these, you know, like, moving boxes, and we'd, like, pack this stuff away and take it out the door. Mm. And there was this one cabinet that, like, smelled really bad and was, like, all, like, just covered in this nasty, grimy, like, it was just, like, disgusting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we'd get to that point of the apartment and um and i'd be like no 
you know, we have other things to do besides that one. And my friend would be like, well, we need to get all of everything out of here. And that's part of everything. So we need to, you know, what's in there? And like, I would open it up and it would just be just like this festering, disgusting, smelly mess. And like a cess pit or a or an abscess or something? Yeah. Yeah. And I would like slam the door and be like, I can't do that. And that's like always when I would wake up. Mm. And if that's not like a metaphor for something, then I don't know what is. That's a lot of symbolism or a lot of symbolic meaning that could be said about that. What do you think it means, that dream? Um, I think it means that there's there's something deep in my subconscious or wherever that I need to, like, clean out. Mm-hmm. But at least at that time when I was having all that dream all the time, because that was like a few years ago, but um, like whatever it is that is being represented by that cabinet full of muck, you know, like I have to get in there and take care of that. Like I have to clean that out. Right. So whatever that is, and I'm pretty sure I know what it is, <laughs> um... Like, I really need to get in there. And maybe, maybe, yeah, I can clean out this other stuff first to get better access to that space. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, I'm going to have to just, like, open up that fucking cabinet and get all that muck out of there. Right. Yeah. So that'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming that has to do like your with your trauma or the these negative aspects of the self that you're clearly your subconscious is telling you that you need to deal with mm-hmm. like these problems, these traumas or or damages, scars, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go away. You got to figure out how to get out of this space and move and grow mm-hmm. and get rid of the things that are no longer serving you. Like that cupboard full of muck. Yeah. That what, what's that doing? It's holding you back. Yeah. It's preventing me from getting out of that weird murky apartment. Right. Yeah. And probably like all the stuff that was in there was stuff that, you know, is like no longer serving me. You know, kind yeah. of like on hoarders when they go and they have to get rid of, you know, like 95% of the stuff to get to the, the bare bones. I feel like that's what I've been doing, but like with my trauma. Mm-hmm. And with help, mm-hmm. too, because your brain acknowledged that you've had support and you've had mm-hmm. friends that are helping you deal with it. Right. And they were kind of like guides. Right. Like, okay, well, let's let's work on this part now. And then, okay, let's go over here now. We can't do anything else right here. Let's go to this area now. And it would mm-hmm. always lead to that cabinet that I wasn't ready to get to. Yeah. And, like, I think be patient with yourself. 
you know, because it is a mess and, you know, it isn't going to get cleaned up overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like sometimes you have to like work your way up and build up that confidence and that courage from practicing getting rid of the easier stuff first mm-hmm. and like building up that momentum of like, okay, I've gotten through this. I've gone through this. I've gone through this. Okay. Wow. Yep. I'm growing. I'm changing. This is, this is getting better. I can see some hope and a light at the end of the tunnel because like, here's the thing. If you don't have any faith or hope that you're going to be okay, Mm -hmm. you think you're going to be able to tackle that? No. Think you're going to be able to take on that freaking cesspool of a cupboard if you don't have that foundation worked on first, if you don't have that other stuff? No. You know what I mean? Like. That's what that says to me. And I hope you don't mind if I was being so, I hope I wasn't too interpretive. I don't, you know, I, w- I don't want to take anything away from your interpretation. No, I welcome it. That's, that's why, that's why I come here. <laughs> <laughs> it's why our listeners come here too. Yes. Yes. Cause yeah, that's a thing. Like literally I get, I make lists of all to like to do's all the time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I have to look through and I have to prioritize because I'm like, well, this one's due tomorrow. I got to fucking get that one done. Cross Mm -hmm. that off the list. Okay. Feeling good. All right. I accomplished that. And then I'll like see some other stuff. That's like piddle paddle, super easy stuff. I can get done in like five minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I, I prioritize and I put things in order that way. And I'm like, okay, these easy ones, I can get those all knocked out right now. And then I'm going to cross those off the list and I'm going to feel really good about myself that I'm accomplishing this thing. Right. And so, so it helps me to have that list and have that thing to orient me to. So it's not always just this niggling little, um, you know, worry or anxiety in the back of my head, like, oh, this needs to get done. You need to do this or you need to tackle this thing, you know, like in the back of my head, like the voice of reason or the angel on my shoulders always telling me like, Hey, you got to do something about that. Remember that thing? Remember you're going to, you're not going to feel relieved until you get it over with. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when my, like my car is long overdue to take it in for an oil change. The whole time I'm all anxious. Is my car going to break down? Oh my God. You <laughs> uh-huh. know, and then it's like, and, and then I put it off, you know, because I'm a procrastinator. And then I'm like, why didn't, and then I go and get it done. And afterwards I'm like, oh, and I'm like, why did I have to make that so fucking hard? Right. If I, it takes me an hour, maybe an hour. All mm-hmm. I have to do is go take it to Jiffy Lube or one of those places. Like yeah. I literally have an oil change place literally right across the street from my apartment. Mm-hmm. And I always come up with all these wonderful excuses of like, yeah, no, I can't do that today. Can't no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, what, why I'm making it so hard on yeah, myself? That's, uh, I do that a lot too. You know, it's like, there's a task that could take me like 15 minutes or an hour Mm-hmm. And I'll put it off for months and just like stress right. out about it. And, you know, sometimes by putting it off, it just gets worse. Oh, God. Like yep. my, my car that's sitting out in front of my house, that like all that it needed at first was a new battery. But now it's like sitting there becoming its own ecosystem 
because it hasn't right. been driven for almost three years. So it's just like rotting into the street. But all that it needed was a new battery, and I just just never dealt with it. Right. So now dealing with it is going to take a lot more time and money than it would have in the first place. Right. So let that, let my 1990 Volvo 245 be a lesson to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> right. <sighs> yeah. I, you know, I get it. I, I do the same thing. Like I'll put off taking the garbage out until it's like way overfilled or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, or like, you know, the poor male lady, the poor postal service people. I never check my snail mail. I mm -hmm. hate it because it's just, it's always full of bills and people trying to sell me shit ads and mm -hmm. whatnot. And I'm just like, I never get anything good, but hey, at the I same you, time, I sent you a postcard from Texas. You did. It was fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> Forgot to thank you for that. Yeah, dude. Um, and my mom sends me cards usually for the holidays too. She sent me a Christmas card and it's up on my mantle and it's so sweet. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And I put that off and I put that off to the point where there was one time the postal service clerk or driver, whatever you want to call them, courier had to like, put all my mail in a locker <laughs> at the poster at the, you know, USPS where, because there was no room to put mail in my, in my <laughs> inbox. And so they literally, I called it inbox. Like it's a mail, uh, like it's email. Um, cause yeah, we literally, everything is electronic now. And so mm -hmm. like, for me, it's a matter of like, but then at the same time, my, my lack of action has consequences. My lack of choice is still a choice. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not doing anything. Yeah. But that's still a decision. Mm -hmm. And I need, I need to own that and I need to be accountable to that. Right. Yeah. Cause it's like, this is, this is causing more work and headache for that poor, poor postal service worker. So my lack of action is actually causing harm to somebody else because I'm being inconsiderate. Mm -hmm. Like I actually went and apologized to the postal service lady and I was like, I'm so sorry that my mail is always full and that I don't ever go and get it. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, you can make it up by doing something about it. You know, <laughs> she was like, I'll believe it when I see it kind of a thing. <laughs> like she had, an, uh, she had a dude, she had an attitude on her. And I was like, you know what? That's fair. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. It's okay. I can humble myself and say, you're right. I'm sorry. You're right. I need to show through my actions more than words. Because an apology without action or without follow-up of changing your behavior mm -hmm. is no apology. What? You're not sorry if you keep doing the same shit hurting <gasps> people. True. And that's hard for me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes some of the behaviors are so ingrained, mm -hmm. I can't change them just like that. And I just, I have to be really patient with myself and have this correct balance of, okay, I'm not going to beat myself up for this. I'm going to actually take action and do something about it. You know, what do I learn from this? How do I grow and move forward instead of beating myself up and castigating myself for like, and shaming myself for not being a perfect human being? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? 
that's not helpful for me either. Most of the time, I can't argue with that. It's just shame telling me I'm a bad person, you know, and it's like, I can't argue with that. I can argue with guilt. Like I did something wrong. Now I need to stop doing it and I need to change. Mm -hmm. This is what I can do. But like the shame, it's like, you know, we talked about that in another episode, the difference between shame and guilt, Mm -hmm. you know, and for me, I can't argue with shame. It just tells me I'm awful. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's a lot harder because it's, you know, the difference between I did something bad versus I am bad. Right. And it's harder to change that belief. You know, it's easy, easier, relatively, to admit that you did something bad. Right. Than it is to change your inherent, ingrained belief that you are bad. Right. Exactly. And, uh... But I think that, you know, it can be changed and should be. Um, and what's crazy is that I manifest, and I'm so sorry. I, and what's crazy is I end up manifesting the very fears and the very things that I don't want to come about mm-hmm. because I'm investing so much energy into that negativity mm-hmm. and that shame that I'm basically validating the beliefs and the foundation of what I already think about myself, yeah. that I'm not worthy, that I'm not good enough. Um, that people are always going to lie to me or be disrespectful or mm-hmm. be uh, unsupportive or reject me or abandon me mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, all, like I, I look for all these things. You. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I look for all those things that basically validate what I already believe, the story I already tell myself about myself and who I am, this illusion of self, mm-hmm. this ego which tells me everything is about me and it's not. Yeah. And then I end up making those very things happen. Mm-hmm. I end up manifesting them. Oh yeah. Because my, my mm-hmm. fears and everything starts influencing my behaviors. Yeah. That's and what I've thoughts. been dealing with lately. You know, the self-fulfilling mm-hmm. prophecy and I'm, I'm trying really hard to not let it go that far. Yeah, but self-sabotage, it's so hard, though, because it's like, um, can't we just, can't I just work with the rotten apples that fell from the tree and then they're on the ground already? Can I, can't I just eat those? Can I, can I just deal with those? I don't want to, I don't want to reach for an apple up on the top. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't have the energy. I don't have the motivation. Nope. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm this or that. You know, it's like, oh, it's too hard. I don't want to get a ladder. Mhm. I'm just gonna keep eating all these rotten, wormy apples. Mhm. Oh. Or I'm afraid I'm gonna fall. Yeah. What if I'm successful though? Oh, Is that God. scarier? It yeah, kind of sometimes. Yeah. That's that's deep though. That could be like a whole other episode. <laughs> Yeah. You know, because there's, yeah. like, the fear of failure, but then there's this, like, even greater and more confusing fear of success. Yes. And, uh, I mean, we can dive into that next time. I think we should. <laughs> I think that we should, too, because that's definitely a thing that I mm. have dealt with for a lot of my life, and, like, especially in recent times. Um, you know, the fear of things going well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a 
very deep, deep fear of being treated well. Mm. And so that, hmm, that, that's a whole other pickle that we, I don't think we need to open that one up right now, but, um, but I do need to eat and take my pills and feed my cats. Yeah, that's all really valid. So maybe we should sign off for tonight. Okay. Um, do you want to say something good that has happened to you recently? Um, let's see. Um, I think... My new sex toy I bought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, it's been working wonders. Let nice. me tell you. Good for you. Yeah, I don't. I don't even need anybody right That's now to help right. me out. I'm good. That's right. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Hmm. Gosh, I don't know how to follow that up. <laughs> <laughs> Bar too high for you? I mean, uh, no, it's not. Yeah. What's um, good that's happened to you recently? Um, I had a very healthy, open, vulnerable discussion with a person that I care about that you know, could be like a scary conversation, but it actually went really well. And I was really proud of myself and the other person for being so like emotionally intelligent and present Mm -hmm. and like caring about ourselves and each other. Right. So that was good. It's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to be, you know. Oh, God. I know. But it's hard to put yourself out there. But, yeah, I mean, that's what intimacy is. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we have intimacy if we're afraid to share how we really feel or who we really are with someone? Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's like, yes, you may it may get used to you against you if that person is doesn't have your best interests at heart it may be that that person is not you know a good person or healthy person for you but the Mm -hmm. thing is is you'll if you don't work on it and if you don't learn from those experiences then you're going to keep repeating history and patterns over and over again until you got to figure it out eventually so you might as well practice with people until you get it right exactly and don't give it up. Don't give up just because you've had some bad apples. Mm-hmm. That means you're not only giving up on them, you're giving up on yourself. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I'm giving up on myself by abstaining from sex and dating. I don't, I don't feel like I'm giving up on myself. I think there, part of me is afraid that I am. Mm-hmm. But... I don't think that that is what it means. I think I just, I need a little cocoon of healing for a little bit. Right. I was going to say, like, there's nothing wrong with, like, taking time for yourself. Right. And that's that's what you're doing. I don't think that you're, like, running or hiding from anything. I think that you are just, like, 
setting a boundary where you need to just focus on yourself. And then you'll get to a point where you're like, well, let's try this again. And right. See how it goes. You know. Right. And that's totally valid. Exactly. All thank right. You. Well, thank you. Um, I'm going to love you and I'm going to miss you. I'm going to love you and I'm going to miss you. Oh, <clears throat> okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.